0: Love, talk, radio. Welcome, welcome to episode 55 of the No Look Past podcast presented by WRSPN.com. We want to thank you for tuning in. You could be listening to anything in the world, but you're here with us. and We appreciate that. I'm your host, Frank Santos, who is currently watching Rudy Gay, not counting statistics at the free throw line. Uh, I have my co-host with me, Andy Flanflimo. What's good?
1: Yeah, I just want to give a shout-out to LeBron James for not letting Russell Westbrook sit in the same space as him as far as triple-doubles are concerned for but a second, LeBron getting that triple-double today.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I thought the exact same thing. LeBron was legitimately mad that people were saying that Russell Westbrook had the same amount of triple-doubles as him in, like, what, 400 fewer games. He was like, yeah, I'm just going to throw one up today just so we can stop all that nonsense. So We have a sort of a special episode of the No Look Past podcast. As you know, every week we go around the NBA in a segment we call While You're Watching TNT, and we watch a team and basically give you our thoughts. What we did this week because we kind of took a little hiatus. We haven't been on for you in like a week and a half. Is We basically watched two teams. So uh, the first half of the show is going to be the Washington Wizards on the East Coast, and then we transfer to the West Coast, and we got a little bonus edition, and we watched the Phoenix Suns. We sort of handed the baton off because the last game of the Wizards that we watched was against the Phoenix Suns, and we just said, okay, let's just watch the Phoenix Suns for a week. So we, we sort of just uh, did that. So basically all this episode is going to be is, is us discussing both of those teams. We don't we don't have any other topics aside from the Washington Wizards and the Phoenix Suns, so if you don't like either one of those teams, you, you should uh, just turn your show off right now. Actually, don't do that, because these are two pretty entertaining teams, uh, despite how not good they are. So let's start East Coast, Andy. The Washington Wizards. While you were watching TNT, we were at first watching the Washington Wizards. Uh, Four-game stretch, we watched them. We had uh, not really a good competition, though probably competition, I would say, for them. So they went 2-2, two two, losses against the 76ers, trust the process, and the Miami Heat, and then wins against the Knicks and the Suns. So how many uh, w- Wizards games did, did you watch in that stretch?
1: Um, I, I caught the, uh, the Suns game. And I caught part of the Knicks game, but the Heat game was the other one I, I caught in full. Those those last two there, Miami and Phoenix. The uh, the Sixers game I couldn't do it, even though it looked like to be a decent game.
0: It, it it was um it was a decent game in the in the sense that it was competitive. That was one of the games I watched, but um I, I'm not sure if it was the Sixers game or the Knicks game. I actually tweeted Andy and apologized to him that I had picked the Washington Wizards for us <laughs> to watch because it was just such ugly basketball. Um, and it's hard to know which game it was because it was both – it applied to both games. just such ugly basketball um, at a low level of, of basketball play. Though, like I said, competitive games, you know, within a couple of possessions of each other. But if you're somebody that, you know, watches like the San Antonio Spurs and just pride yourself on that crisp ball movement and, you know, guys just rotating and, and going out for each other – those are not the games for you. This is a Washington Wizards. are very much an isolation ball. So give me your, your, your first impression of the Wizards when you were watching them.
1: First and foremost is every night it's John Wall and the Wizards versus whatever team they're playing and John Wall versus Bradley Beal. And I Uh I, I don't know. it's, It's the weirdest dynamic. These two are, it often looks like they're playing against each other as much as they're playing against the other team. Uh, We saw Beal poured in the the 42 against the Suns, which that game actually sparked me to pick the Suns for that next week. Um, And Wall, I think, had 35 or 34, the Heat game right before that. So it's kind of like those two are just dueling each other a little bit, um, maybe trying to to give the fans a little uh, question or thought about which one is their franchise player moving forward. Uh, It's quite obvious to me still, but just in case anybody was wondering, Bradley Beal can still get buckets. And, yeah, I don't know. It, you know, oftentimes, even with these bad teams, I come out of it thinking that, you know, we saw some cool games. We got to see some players we don't often see. But I almost feel like I didn't enjoy watching this team at all. And and some of it had to do with the schedule. I mean, I even slipped in the Magic game that should come to no surprise, which was a bad one, too. Uh, that was just after our, our four-game stretch. But, yeah, I don't know what <laughs> happened. Washington's floor fell out beneath them like, quicker than any team I've seen in the last 10 years. It was just, it's nuts. They went from being like a a team that's on the rise with a couple of young stars to like fodder. It's terrible.
0: So before I join you in just completely thumping the Washington Wizards, I do want to start with a positive note, which is for me, the the one thing I noticed um, positive was Otto Porter Jr. I really feel like, and I swear I mean this as a compliment, that he might just be a homeless man Draymond Green. And, you know, he sort of fills up the stack category, doesn't really need the ball, has good three-point range. It seems like also Draymond Green in the sense that I can't really think of a person I would think of better to play with John Wall than Otto Porter. It seems like he's a really good fit with John Wall's game, the fact that he can stretch the floor and kind of give Wall room to operate. He can sort of help him a little bit defensively. Theoretically, he can um, help them defensively playing uh, wing positions because he has the length. So I, I really like all these things about Otto Porter Jr. And um, he was somebody that I kind of thought was going to be a bust when he was drafted and didn't really have – didn't really give him much playing time um, his first year, and they kind of gave him a little more um, last year. And I believe this is his third year in the league. And, he, and he really, he's really come on uh, – as of late especially this season and I think he he is a good building block and I would say I think he's the second best player on the team
1: I'd like to just point out to the millions and millions of listeners we currently have that Frank skipped right over poor man's and called Otto Porter Jr. a homeless man's (laughs) I've never even heard anybody say something like that before so kudos there. You know, the unfortunate thing, as I look through Otto Porter Jr.'s box score, and I did this a little bit earlier, he's played better than the games I caught because the two games I caught were, like, his worst two games in 10, I think, or something like that. I mean, not not quite. I'm exaggerating. But he, you know, he had six points one game, nine points the other, day, the other game. I remember thinking to myself he wasn't shooting the ball very well. Um, you know, that, that's just my small sample size. I also thought that in the games that I caught – Markeith Morris was a disaster as well, and I looked through his box score, and it was kind of one of those things where him and Porter just had bad games, those two. So, unfortunately, I didn't get to see a lot of that. Porter is, however, a great defender, as you were pointing out. I don't think people knew that about him, and I don't I don't know if he was coming out of college. I don't really remember him for his defensive prowess. But, you know, he, he is one of those guys that will help the star player, the glue guys. We, we talk about glue guys all the time. But somebody's got to go get John Wall, a new running mate, because Beal, I mean, these two don't – I'm surprised they're not like beating each other up before you know the game even spills over into the locker room or anything. It's it's crazy. Like the dislike for these two have seem to have for each other, allegedly. I I can't say with any fact. Is just it's it's crazy to
0: watch. Well, which is why it it didn't make much sense, and we talked about this in the off season why the Wizards off season plan seemed to be like they just wrote in. Bradley Beale's big contract in, you know, as the first order of business and then went from there. I think we both I remember disagreeing vehemently with me. I think you were, you were with me in that context where it didn't really make much sense that Bradley Beal was just this five-year max player because the Bradley Beal John Wall backcourt has been fine. I mean you know in previous, se- in previous seasons but I didn't think it was something where you just assumed that that was going to be the building block and I'm curious what kind of value uh, Bradley Beal would have on the trade market if they decided to go in that direction. But you also t- you also uh, mentioned something else that that we need to talk about because we need to give Andy Flint some serious credit. He was early on this bandwagon. Marquise Morris is officially the other Morris brother. It used to be Marcus, <laughs> but now it's Marquise. He is the other Morris because Marcus, my man, my man, balls out in in Detroit. Grin. He takes like 20 shots a game and and does probably goes eight for 20 sometimes. Um, and, and just kind of stuffs the stat sheet by, by just forcing up shots. But he seems to be a good teammate. You know, people see, I think Detroit seems to like playing with Marcus Morris. I'm not sure we can say the same thing about Marquise. Um, he seems to know, you know, Sam Van Gundy seems to know that, you know, he has like six-minute stretches where, okay, it's Marcus Morris time. And, he you know, he gets his, the majority of his shots up in that sort of time. Uh, Marquise Morris, now exactly the same thing. Uh Marquis Moore is still getting the technical fouls. got ejected, I believe, uh yesterday or the night before. And I think just overall there, you know, I just think he's an overall minus for this team.
1: Here's my thing. And you know, I love John Wall, and you know this I've always defended John Wall. I've always, you know, went went to bat for him. And I still do like the guy. I think he does, you know, some really almost unique things nowadays, uh the his style of play. But I almost wonder if like he and Mark Markeith and Bradley Beal are just all like similar dudes. Like they all kind of, you know, they're, John Wall is always, he shows you his emotions and Beal is the same way. And you can see it with Keith as well. And it's like, there's always this old saying, you, you know, you can have a knucklehead on the team, but you can't start putting a bunch of them on the same roster. And you start getting a bunch of guys with like poor attitudes. And it's just like one of those bad situations. And we're kind of seeing that now this team's too talented to be, you know they have five wins, six wins. It's incredible to just see. I mean, you if you look at the starting lineup, you're like all of those dudes can kind of ball. I mean, right? Mar- Marcin Gortat's a great center. I mean, I you know I, he's not going to be a Hall of Famer, but there's not there's not too many big men in the league you'd rather have than Gortat. I don't think. Not manning the center, he can hit the jump shot. He rebounds well. You know, he's he's a force. He's an energy guy. So with that being said this team just doesn't work. And I think it's because their chemistry is awful. I think these guys, a lot of them don't want to play with each other. And, you know, Washington's going to have to make a decision on wall or Beal. And given the fact that they gave Beal that contract, and I was kind of pro that contract. Um, I, I do remember you not liking it, but I, you know, with Beal and wall, it seems like they're a perfect fit for each other. One's a guy who likes to pass the ball. He pushes the pace. The other guy is a scorer, a great shooter. They both play defense. And then it's just like, why doesn't this work? And, you know, it's, got to be one of those ego things and washington's got to do something but washington again it seems to be one of those franchises that they don't get things right i mean it's it's like it's almost embarrassing
0: (laughs) Uh, Gortat, i agree with you i would consider him an above average nba center i think he'd probably be somewhere around your your top 15 if, if we're if you know as as we you know and as some of the fans of the show might know we we basically draft the centers, you know, each position every year. And I think, you know, Marcin Cortat would be in consideration around that 15 to 17 spot. So I think you have yourself a a decent center. And like you're saying, you're decent in every, in every position. So it doesn't really make sense talent wise, why this team is, is underperforming. So then like you're saying, it has to be sort of a chemistry issue and Marcin Cortat, I'm mad at him because he shouldn't have apologized for what he said. Uh, If you remember, Marcin got himself in a little bit of trouble when he says that they have one of the worst. They might have the worst bench in the league. Uh, Sir, you are correct. This bench is atrocious. Uh, Jan Mahimi is not going to fix it uh, because I am not a huge Jan Mahimi fan myself, personally. But it's just... that. I mean, that's another reason for their struggles is they bring these guys off the bench. You know, uh, Marcus Thornton, who I'm pretty sure has been on every team in the league now. Uh, And then... uh, (gasps) Trey Burke I mean Trey Burke is not an NBA player Uh, I think I think we've determined that Utah came to that conclusion which is why they traded him and it's just slim pickings slim pickings for the Washington bench and that's definitely something they need to address as well
1: well and they have these guys you know backing up
0: Keith and you need to
1: you need to have guys to back up Keith whether he's getting ejected or he's just having such a head case night that you got to cool him down a little bit and they're like I mean a couple of these names uh, are guys I've watched kind of extensively Well not Jason Smith so much. He wasn't in Orlando long enough, but Andrew Nicholson too. So they they both were guys who were formal. Well, neither of them were great players. Here's the thing is, is Andrew Nicholson was always like an okay player who really just had a sound game. So if you gave him a few minutes a game, he could kind of, you know, lull the defenders to sleep a little bit and put up some old man moves. And, you know, I seen him out rebounding guys (laughs) with absolutely no hops, but and Jason Smith's another one, like he can, you know, he's a decent defender. He can shoot that jump shot. But other than that, you just kind of have these, these empty guys. I mean, these, these are not guys that you have as a part of a rotation. The same thing with Mahimi. Like we, you know, we saw him used to his potential, I think in Indiana at times when he was able to come in uh, with Roy Hibbard and stuff like that, backing up Roy Hibbard. So it's, it's just, I just don't think the dynamic works. And then we, you know, we throw in the fact that we think that these starters don't necessarily get along and it's, you know, it's, it's no wonder they don't only win. They might only win like 25 games. I feel like this team is going to be finished worse than they were last year. And it's, it's just weird.
0: It is. And that that really brings us to the elephant in the room question, which is uh, something I think you've been sort of alluding at. Do what move do they make at the, do they make it at the trade deadline? Or do they make it, you know, in the off season and just sort of call this season a wash because it, it, it seems very unlikely. You know, we're 15 games in, so, you know, sometimes we can overreact, but I don't see a scenario in which this team sort of turns it around. It seems like their issues are more deeply rooted than, you know, a personnel or like a, you know, a strategy change and like an offensive adjustment or defensive adjustment, that kind of thing. Uh, so should they trade Bradley Beal in, in the, you know, at the trade deadline? What What do you think that this team should do? You
1: know, and I think obviously you're not even going to ask me if they should trade Wall or Beal. Uh, we're just going to go right to the Beal, and I, I agree. I don't think they're going to trade <laughs> yeah, John I mean, Wall. On. I don't know what goes on behind closed doors, but I, you know, I, I think they do trade. They do have to trade Beal, and I do think that Beal's stock is decent. I mean, he's actually playing, which is a plus for him. That, that's rare. Um, you know, the last, like I, I was saying before, he's he's had a couple of really good games, a few really good games, uh, including the forty plus. So – and and what he does, he defends, um, although I think his defense has taken a backseat a little bit. That may be because of, you know, things going on. But he defends and he shoots, and I think there's, you know, high demand for that in this league. As long as he's not doing too many of the other things with his mouth, you know, that get you in trouble saying the wrong things, I think, you know, his stock is pretty high. And Wellington, I would say the trade deadline makes the most sense. I think that's often times when teams are, you know, really desperate to get that piece that might – push them over the edge to compete with, you know, whoever the Cleveland's or the golden States. Um, and, you know, like we said, he got his contract too. So it's Washington has the leverage, you know, they, they're not, the other team's not going to tell them, well, how do we know he won't just not resign with us? They, they have a situation where they have the guy locked up and, you know, now they're just trying to trade him. So I, I do think that for Beal and for Washington, there's a lot of possibility out there and uh, they do need to get it done sooner rather than later.
0: I agree. I actually think it, it you know, it might have been too late for, for me. I, I just think that the time to trade him might have been, you know, when OKC was looking for for a shooting guard. That, that Victor Oladipo deal, you could have gotten that probably for Bradley Beal. And I think most people would say that Bradley Beal has more value than Victor Oladipo, so you might have gotten a little bit more. Meaning, you know, Serge Ibaka and John Wall would have been a very interesting combination, which I think would have worked. Um, especially with Serge Ibaka and John Wall being both sort of defensive-minded, I think that's a nice little building block. So that would have been an interesting thing. But and I, I think you might have to, you know, look for something similar, sort of a defensive power forward slash center, you know, because Gortat. I mean, I think theoretically Gortat probably could play that like hybrid, you know, four slash five, where he's, you know, maybe some minutes at the four, some minutes at the five. I think Gortat really has enough. Uh, post moves to, you know, to, to play the four. And I, I think he, he is quicker than he seems, Gortat, so I think he, he might be able to defend the four. That might be a little bit of a stretch, but um, I think that's what you got to look for. And I, I think Beal is definitely the piece to go. I, I like the building block, like I said, of Otto Porter, John Wall, and whatever you can get for Bradley Beal. I think that's a nice way to, to sort of hit the reset button.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, I think they got to get it done quickly. You know, you don't want the – you don't want it to become a situation where, if if Beal and John Wall do have this distrust, you don't want it to spill over where Wall doesn't feel comfortable, you know, with the time frame that the Wizards organization makes a move, you know, players stew and and it turns into a nightmare.
0: That's a great point. Yeah, your worst case scenario is really John Wall being like, uh, "I'll make the move for you. I want out." That, that, that's that's not what you want. Yeah, uh, you don't want John Wall to to sort of uh, jump ship for sure. Uh, that, that that's a really great point. And we will close there with the Washington Wizards. As as we said, their last game that we watched was against the Phoenix Suns, and, and Andy just decided, you know, this seems like an entertaining team, plus they're going to play the Orlando Magic. So let's watch them. That's always Andy's thought process. Anytime the Orlando Magic are involved in their schedule, Andy will pick them. Uh, it's an ongoing problem with the NLP podcast. And we're going First time this it. year. Uh, yeah, in, in, in the in – the, uh, in the back, you know, in the back room, we will address that. But uh, so the Phoenix Suns, they had a one in three week uh, losses again to the Wizards, the Timberwolves and the, and the Denver Nuggets win again to the aforementioned Orlando Magic. Andy, how many uh, Phoenix Suns games did you watch? Uh, I
1: watched the game today, which actually just ended really, really close to the start time of the show. Um, I watched the Minnesota game. I, I didn't watch the Magic game. Now I'm lying. I, I totally watched the Magic game. Um, you know, I had to I had to follow through with the plan. You know, I, I think Phoenix to me, I I've, I think I picked Phoenix to finish like maybe last in the West. But yeah, I think last. I think I had them behind the Lakers. So I'm not really surprised oh, with their struggles. But you know, I I do I do see the the potential too because they have a lot of nice things going on. Obviously, despite the record, they were a very entertaining team to watch. Although they they did beat my boys. Which, which wasn't awesome. But, you know, I, I really had a, an enjoyable time watching them, even tonight. And I don't necessarily like watching the Nuggets, but that game was interesting. The Minnesota game was really interesting. And, you know, the Magic one made me cry a little bit, but it was a good game nevertheless.
0: So I agree. Uh, I, I mean, I think this is sort of the other end of the spectrum. Like, and I think the Wizards and the Suns are sort of two good teams to, to juxtapose next to each other because the, the Wizards are, are bad. Like, like the like the wizards, or the Wizards the Suns are bad like the Wizards are, but the Suns are a lot more enjoyable to watch. They're a lot better. They're a lot of a better bad team. One because they have the second highest pace in the league. So they're getting up and down the floor. Um they have sort of these really athletic guys that, you know, uh obviously have John Wall who is a joy to watch any day of the week. But, you know, guys like Eric Bledsoe Devin Booker, even a guy like – we didn't get to watch T.J. Warren, but obviously he's you know, he's been a big uh, guy on this team that's that sort of uh, come, come out for them. Uh, I even like a guy like Alex Lend, who I find very entertaining to watch. I just don't know why they don't give him more minutes. deciding, okay, you know, he's disappointing in his second year in the league, so now all of a sudden he's bad.
1: Yeah, no, that is the problem, is he was anointed. Everybody thought he was like... It was because of the shooting. I mean, we saw it with, with Curry and with Clay, and they shoot the ball, and Booker was shooting the ball, and he was just this exciting young gun, and we were like, bam, that's him. But every time he shoots the ball, all I can hear is, just hold on, we're coming on. Like, that... that he, his, his game, I, I do like to watch it at times, but, like, no action. Like, he's, I feel like Booker, and it's probably something to do with his size, and he is 12, like you stated, I mean, second year. And I, I think I admittedly even have higher expectations. But he, ha- he wants no part of any contact on the court, like, at all. I've, like, I don't even know if he likes to sweat. He just seems to be, <laughs> I, and again, and this is coming from a place where I like the kid and he's exciting to watch, but I feel like, It's always if you ever notice Booker's kind of always standing in a space his own defense and offense like he's never near any other players. And I I found that to be one of the most puzzling things about the the entire the entire uh, time watching Phoenix. One thing I will say is you brought up the John Wall thing, uh, or with the Wizards. I'm sorry, not with John Wall, or specifically, but you said with the Wizards. the thing is it's hard to watch the Wizards because we all remember when the Wizards were good and on the come up and you get sick of watching <laughs> even great players like John Wall, you get sick of watching them be bad. So we've turned the TV right. off as with the Suns, they're bad, but we haven't really watched these guys be bad. Nobody's seen Eric Bledsoe be bad too often because he never, he doesn't play and Booker's so young, but I think, you know, th- this team is exciting, but they have to get better. And I think one of the things you mentioned, Alex Len, give Alex Len some more minutes because not only can the guy play, but they need to develop him, and he is comic gold. The, the, like you were talking about watching him play. He's entertaining. His facial expressions kill me. He throws the ball on the ground. I think he got a technical tonight. But he's just uh, a loose cannon, and it's enjoyable to watch. So, I, I, you know, I like when players are fired up. That means, you know, they, they care. So this team, I think, will be good. They need to make a trade too, like we were talking about with the Wizards. But we'll see.
0: Yeah. So the, the biggest issue I found for this team, uh, which has been going on all season and it continued this week, is they have no rotation. Uh, they don't have any idea. Earl Watson, I mean, 15 games in, you should have some indication of the guys you want to play and the guys you don't want to play. I know, obviously, um, you know, they've had personnel issues with Tyson Chandler being out for an extended period of time with the death of his mother. Um, so, you know, he's kind of been in and out of the lineup, which is completely understandable, and I wouldn't expect anything else and 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 that's not really that's not really the problem the problem is is that i mean they play all 12 guys i've seen i've seen you know stat lines where the every phoenix sun has played in the first half and i mean yeah that's great people feel like oh i'm you know i'm in you know coach likes me but at some point you know guys like the comfort of knowing okay at this point of the game i'm going to come in at this point of the game i'm going to come out you know coach is going to give me a little bit of you know wiggle room if i make a couple of mistakes which Coming back to Alex Len, it seems like the second Alex Len makes a bad play, you know, he gets yanked for, like, Dragon Bender. And it's, like, it's, it's very frustrating to watch this team in that respect. I mean, it's kind of exciting because every guy they bring off the bench is sort of like, oh, this younger guy who has potential. We're not really sure what he is yet. But at the same time, it's like, I, I just wish that we could get an extended look at a lot of these guys that we're not getting.
1: And we did get a little bit of a few weird looks because TJ Warren obviously was the starter at small forward and he was hurt while we watched, Um, which, you know, that he'd been balling. Thanks TJ Warren. I was using you on my fantasy team, although you hurt me this week. But one of the problems I (laughs) see is when you look at the depth chart and you see Jared Dudley's name, not only in a power forward slot, but it's like highlighted at the top, like he's supposed to be your starting power forward. I have an issue with that. Jared Dudley, I have a big issue with that guy being your starting power forward, even in this league. Um, I thought uh, the rookie, uh, Marquise Chris, I thought he he gives them some decent energy, but he either looks really good in like a short spurt or he looks completely lost. Um, looks almost entirely too small to play any position effectively. And I'm talking like skinny wise, that guy is like, he's right. given Brandon Ingram a run for his money when it comes to being slim. I mean, it's, it's insane. Again, I do like the energy. I do like the athleticism. I saw him actually get a couple offensive rebounds today. But um, I, I don't know. I don't know where what the next step is. I, I think obviously the step is to make a trade because they're a little guard heavy. But I don't know for who. What do you think fixes this team? Right. Uh,
0: it, it, you know, it's tough for me. I think one, one person that they have to move, like you know, and I mentioned him, is Tyson Chandler just because I feel like they have all these young guys that they need to give minutes at those big spots. And I just feel like what he brings to the table is not what they need to win. And I also want to see Tyson Chandler on This is a selfish move because I feel like he still has a lot of game left. And if you put him on, you know, a borderline team, I think he's going to be able to make a difference. Uh, So in that, I think he has good value for for the Suns. And they can also give other people minutes. Um, I, I think one thing, you know, that we need to see with this team is something that we talked about in the off season was, um, Playing Knight, Bledsoe, and Booker together, I did some research. They've only played 13 minutes at the same time, and not. I don't think any of them have been injured so far this season. I think Devin Booker actually is the only one that missed a couple of games. But at some point, you got to just trot them out and, and see if it works because those are your, you know, arguably your three best players. Um, so you need to see if Devin Booker can play the three theoretically uh, or something like that. You know, so um, I think that's one thing. But again, like you're saying, I think this team is just then the elephant in the room question is sort of what what you brought up. I just think it's too too early. Is it too early to tell? I think it is. Um, I think that's the answer. I don't know where this team goes, and I don't think they really know where they want to go yet just because they have all this talent and not much to do with it yet.
1: Well, if they want another guard, I heard Bradley Beal's on the market. So
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Let's let's just throw Bradley Beal on the Phoenix Suns and just have him <laughs> run out of a a four-guard rotation with uh, Devin Booker as a power forward. I, I, I would say to see that. Uh, so, every that is the uh, end of our show, but uh, like Daisy z once said, we don't believe you, you need more people. Every week somebody matches that mold. Uh, Andy, who needed more people this week in the NBA?
1: I mean, I'm going to keep uh, hammering away on the same whack-a-mole here. We're going with Bradley Beal, man. Why you got to choke my dude Evan Fournier <laughs> like that? I've always had an issue with dudes who choke another dude. If you're going to square up, throw fist or something. Do not put your hand around another man's throat. That is like, uh, I don't know, man. It creeps me out.
0: So I am going with Tom Thibodeau. Uh, I don't know if you saw, but Zach Levine absolutely put Alex Len on a poster. And then when asked about it post-game, Tom, Tibbs said, I I wouldn't focus on things that have to do with winning and not side shows. Yo, my man, yo, Tibbs, let Zach Levine be great. Shout out, hashtag, get Levine to the dunk contest defending champion uh so that is the end of our show andy we are going to stay on the west coast and you mentioned one name on the team brandon ingram we are going to watch brandon ingram and the los angeles lakers the baby lakers i'm excited to watch them so that's who we're watching for next week Um, but that is the end of our show join us next week as we talk about the baby lakers and follow the podcast on twitter at nlp podcast and like us on facebook at facebook.com slash nlp pod that's n like naya Jax, l like linda mcmahon p like pikachu and we will end, as we always do, with the great philosopher Jason White Chocolate Williams, who once probably thought basketball is a lot like last call at the bar. Sometimes it's better to pass without looking. And with that, we bid you good night.
1: It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you What do you do when you win?